Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, my friends. Today, we are going to cover the three huge mistakes that break your design mindset. Zig here, and I'm here to help you become the best network designer you can be. Above all else, your mindset is the single most important factor of your design process. I like to call this your design mindset. We are following a design mindset themed content window. A lot of people in this industry don't create designs with a proper design mindset. And it's not necessarily their fault. We're just not taught design early enough in our careers. So it is a gap, it is a problem, and that's what we're trying to solve. Our first huge mistake from a design perspective that's gonna break your design mindset is assumptions. In any design situation, we never want to assume anything. And if for some reason we are assuming something, we always want to revalidate that assumption by asking questions and getting information from our customers, be them external to our company or internal to our companies. Some good examples would be, don't inherently think that complexity is bad. There's this rule of thumb that we want to keep things simple, but in some cases you have to make a complex design. Again, you have to find those requirements and you have to design a solution that meets the requirements of the organization and the business. But if we go into that conversation, into that, that situation, that design situation, and we inherently think that complexity is something that we don't want, then we're going to shy away from some of the additional solutions that we could do because we don't want to have a complex solution. We can't assume that complexity is bad. Just like we can't assume that there's no budget. Just like we can't assume that they don't want proprietary technologies. These are things that we can't assume. They have to be revalidated by the customer that we're working with, or our stakeholders that we're working with, or even our business leaders within the company. Something that I like to do to achieve this validation of the assumptions is to lead a workshop with either my customers that I'm working with or the internal stakeholders on my team. In this workshop, I have a few goals. Normally, my first goal is to drive collaboration and dialogue between the stakeholders and my customers that are in, in that workshop with me. The intent isn't for me to talk the whole time. That is not the goal. And in fact, I'd rather not talk. I wanna be listening. I wanna be taking notes. I wanna be letting things process in my head as these stakeholders have these real life conversations. What I find nine times out of 10 in these workshop settings, these stakeholders don't talk to one another in their day-to-day -day interactions. They're so busy doing other tasks and other projects that they just don't talk about the topics that we're gonna talk about in the workshop. Having a dedicated forum, a dedicated location that they can actually communicate with one another. And I ask those questions. I ask why, why is this important? and you get different responses from different stakeholders. You might have a stakeholder that's in charge of the development team, and that development stakeholder cares about different things than let's say an IT stakeholder. So these are just different perspectives, and when you put them in a room together, you get all that information live. Uh, I take a lot of notes, and then I process the notes after the workshop. This whole point is to validate assumptions and validate requirements live. Another aspect of the workshop that I really, really do like to instantiate is the ability to do whiteboarding. Because 
live, you can whiteboard real quick and there's a graphical representation of what truly matters to the different stakeholders in the room. And then you can level set on what's important. One of the best things you can do in these workshops is to just let the stakeholders communicate with one another, let them talk, let them have dialogue, and then you ask the leading questions, why? Why is this important to you? What do you get out of this? These are important questions to ask, and that's gonna drive some further conversations between the different stakeholders. And so that you can kind of sit there and facilitate the workshop and write your notes. And those notes are gonna be real clear. Hey, this assumption was validated. Cost is a concern or complexity is a concern. You never wanna overly assume these things. Huge mistake number two, best practices. If you had asked me 20 years ago what my opinion was of best practices, I probably would have said something like, oh, that's the only way to do it. It's, it's the blueprint, it's, it's the Bible, it's the plan. You can't deviate from best practices. And those statements are pretty naive. Best practices, oh, that is such a gotcha in my opinion. Your design mindset. You should know what best practices are for different technologies, different protocols, different architectures, but they are not the governing rule that you have to follow. Again, everything has to come back to the business side of things and the business requirements. If you make a decision that's a it's not following best practice, that's fine, as long as it's tied to a requirement. I can even remember hearing myself say, I'm doing this because it's best practice. And, and honestly, that's just not okay anymore. No way did I fully understand the implications of what I was doing. I would also fill in my best practice reasoning for every design situation. Even today, I think a lot of us in this industry will make best practice calls on the fly this is just best practice. That's why we do this. Maybe we need to reevaluate our mindset. Again, we're talking about design mindset, right? So that would make sense. Maybe we need to reevaluate our mindset here and make some serious changes to how we're thinking about these design decisions. A good example that I've always leveraged is I prefer EIGRP over OSPF as a IGP or interior gateway protocol, routing protocol. And that's just a personal opinion. No, no valid reason there. But that is a limitation in my mindset and my view. And I know that nowadays. But if I went back 15 years ago, every design, every implementation, every solution I did had EIGRP in it. And while it might have been right for certain circumstances, I guarantee you it wasn't right for all of them. But I know this personally. And so when I design solutions today, I have some additional controls in my, my, my design process to say, hey, are we really doing this for the right reasons? Is there a technical requirement? Is there a business requirement that says, yes, you should run EIGRP? Let's start with a simple example, very basic. This is gonna be more about best practices. So let's talk about OSPF for a minute. And when we configure OSPF, doesn't matter what vendor hardware we're talking about, we we'll be vendor agnostic for a minute. Why do we enable OSPF interfaces as point to point? That's the biggest question. Why do we? Is there a business requirement to do it? Better than saying that there's a business requirement here, are we potentially breaking another business requirement by doing this? This is a very basic, basic example, right? OSPF point to point interfaces, not really a big deal. In that situation, you're enabling point to point potentially to increase the convergence time of OSPF. And it's probably in your script configuration for whatever vendor solution you're running to enable point-to-point -point interfaces where appropriate. I do the same thing. But the question is always why? 
Is that a business requirement? Are we breaking another business requirement? So that's probably too easy of an example, right? We're probably not breaking a business requirement. Even if there's not even a business requirement to enable it, it's probably okay to leave that there. There's probably not going to be any real gotcha in enabling point-to-point -point interfaces for OSPF. So let's use a different example. Let's use something a little bit more complex. Let's leverage OSPF again. And what about if we were to deploy OSPF with sub-second failover? Are we implementing sub-second failover for a business requirement? I have seen this. So this is why I bring it up. I have seen configurations at places that I worked and other customers where they have OSPF configured with sub-second failover, but they don't have a business requirement to do so. It's just been in the configuration, in the syntax, in their template file, and they've configured it every step of the way. So the question comes back to you, is this a business requirement? Are we actually supposed to be doing this? Why are we doing this? Now, these are really aggressive questions, right? These are really aggressive how I'm asking these questions. But when you're in a workshop setting or when you're in a, a dialogue with a customer or a stakeholder in your company, you can ask these questions like, do you have a reason to do this? Is there a business reason that we need to leverage this? Because by default, an IGP has a pretty fast failover. You don't need sub-second failover. Now, if it was BGP, that'd be a little different. But IGP has a pretty fast failover. So why do we need sub-second failover in our configuration? And when we do sub-second failover, it does add complexity and more work. Those are really probably the, the big takeaways when we're talking about best practices. So the last thing I'll say about best practices is this. A lot of us in this industry make best practice design calls without fully understanding the impact, like the impact to you and the organization you support. We just don't understand the impact. And when I say us, I truly mean us. I was in these situations. I made these decisions because I thought best practice was the way to go. But you, you, can't, you can't be blinded by best practice. It is going to destroy your mindset. It is going to break your design mindset. And you're going to create failure situations left and right. Huge mistake number three. All right. Um, huge mistake number three. And this is something that's really actually an issue that I have all the time. And that's preconceived notions. What is a preconceived notion? That is having some additional thoughts in your head from your experience that you assign some value, some characteristics to protocols and technologies and solutions. Uh, let's give an example to make it really clear. Um, you go into a design situation and someone's looking to get maybe MPLS L3 VPN circuits versus MPLS L2 VPN circuits. But historically in your experience, MPLS L3 VPN circuits are more expensive and take longer to stand up. That outside information is preconceived information, preconceived notions. So when you go into those situations and you are designing a solution for a customer and they're like, hey, should I go with MPLS L3 VPN circuits or should I go with MPLS L2 VPN circuits? And if you say, MPLS L2 VPN circuits, are you saying that because you have this outside information that you're applying to it without validating it? Or are you saying it because it actually truly makes sense? That's a high level example of preconceived notions. What I like to say nowadays is that preconceived notions are really rough. You, you really have to keep your mindset clear of those preconceived notions and also understand that you're having this problem. This is a huge design mistake. It, leveraging preconceived notions to make decisions is going to hinder the design. It's going to hinder your tools that you have in your design toolbox, tool chest, if you will. So I would make sure that these preconceived notions that you have are validated and that you control them. They might be valid. They might be truly valid preconceived notions, but you need to verify that they are. 
So this is a little different than assumptions and best practices. This is something that you're bringing into that design situation as facts, characteristics of a protocol that are not necessarily characteristics of the protocol itself. It's like you're adding some additional attributes to the protocol that are not related to the protocol, the technology. Hey friends, if you want to hear more about this topic, you can check out our uh, free resource that we have, zigbits.tech design mindset. And you'll hear all about assumptions, best practices, and preconceived notions in this guide. It is free. Feel free to check it out. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit that bell so that you're notified whenever we create a new episode, new show out there. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe to that podcast too. And that way you get all the content we're sending out to you every week. We got something new coming at you this year. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, as always, you can email me at zig at zigbits.tech. And you can also find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and pretty much all the socials out there. Until next time, bye for now.